is one new man. We, uh, we had a Sunday school lesson this morning about the image of God and how that at one time in the world there was the Jew and the Gentile. And uh, God only, only had grace. I mean, you know, there's, there's two different types of grace. There is, there is general grace that God gives to every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of the earth. That is the type of grace that allows your heart to beat another minute. Uh, just one more beat. You know, that's the type of grace that, that uh, allows your lungs to suck in one more breath of air. Uh, God doesn't owe us that. That's grace. That's unmerited favor. Because of our sin, we should all be dead. You know, I, I think I've told you before and said that a lot of times in the past that it's amazing that God didn't kill me in my sleep for what I did yesterday. Uh, because the sin that I committed yesterday is worthy of death. Uh, I should be dead. And if I'm not, or if you're not, or if there are lost people out in the world that aren't dead right now, it's only by the grace of God. But the amazing grace of God is that He would come to earth. That He would put on flesh and become a man. That He would live a 33-year sinless, perfect life and, and do that in order to go to a cross to die a death that He didn't deserve to die. That He died a death for me. That He died a death for you if you are one of His children. And my friend, that's amazing that God would give up heaven, put on flesh, become a man, live a 33 years sinless, perfect life, go to the cross, shed His blood, and die for people who have sinned against Him. That is an amazing fact. And that He would raise from the dead, or resurrect from the dead, and ascend back to heaven. That uh, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am there, you may be also. Boy, what an amazing grace it really is. That God died for us and rose from the dead that we might be justified by grace through faith in the finished work of His Son, Jesus Christ. Remember what I said in Sunday school this morning. There was the Jew and there was the Gentile. The Gentile of the Old Testament was doomed. The only hope that he had was that he might... Uh, be converted from his heathen uh, life to Judaism and practice the law of God alongside the Jews and that God accept him uh, as he had the Jews. But now in the New Testament, we find that there is a, a new man. And the title of my message this morning is, is One New Man. You look at Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read 11 through, uh, through 15. And then we're going to turn to Galatians chapter 2 and read 16 through 21. We'll spend most of our time in Galatians. But I just want to build a little foundation, a little background work uh, for you in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11 through 15. It says, Wherefore remember, What is, what is wherefore? Therefore. I always say, if you run into the word wherefore or therefore, either one of those should spark an interest in you about what is therefore, therefore. 
Why did God put that? Well, it leads to the things that were already said. So, uh, I've got to back up every time I see wherefore or therefore. You look at verse 1, and it says, You hath He quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Now that is, you know, who He's talking to are the Gentiles. He's talking to the church of Ephesus, the Ephesians. And now remember what I said, you had the Jews, which were God's chosen people, but you had the Gentiles, which were fodder for the fire. They were no people. You had the saved and the law, the Jews and the Gentiles. And the Bible says even all of the Jews at that time were not saved. They weren't of the seed of Abraham because they were of the blood of Abraham, but that you are the seed of Abraham by the faith of Abraham. You only have the faith of Abraham by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. But verse 1 says, And you had he quickened who were dead in trespass and sin, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, which of course is Satan, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, the nature of man, the lost man, were the children of wrath, the wrath of God, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, boy, I like that, that God, even though we deserve death, even though we deserve separation for eternity, God is rich in mercy. For His great love wherewith He loved us. Even when we, the Gentiles, were dead in sins and hath He quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness Toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith in that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now you come to the meat of what it is that I'm getting at. It says, wherefore remember that ye being in time past were Gentiles. Not chosen by God. Not of the children of God. Not of the people of God. Oh, you were sheep, but you were the sheep that the nation of Israel knew not of. Wherefore, remember that in time past, ye being Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, the Jews, And you were strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, no hope without God in the world. But now, now in Christ Jesus, you who are sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace, the peace of God, the peace between man and God, Christ Jesus. For He is our peace who hath made both one, both Jew and Gentile, 
hath he broken, he has broken down the barriers, the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself of twain, Jew and Gentile, one new man, so making peace. Do you understand that Adam, in Adam all died because of Adam's death, but God chose unto him a people, the nation of Israel, the Jews, and you had the Jews and the Gentiles, those that were of God, those that were separated from God, but now in the end of time, God hath brought together Jew and Gentile under one tent called the church. We are the church. We are the people of God. There is no Jew. There is no Gentile anymore. Now there are only one people of God. And all of those people of God have been made one new man in Christ Jesus. Now if you'll turn just a few pages uh, to the left and uh, go to Galatians chapter 2. It's the book right before Ephesians. Galatians chapter 2 and in verse 16. I want you to notice where it picks off, uh, picks up. Uh, now, you, you, you do remember that this is Paul writing to the Ephesians. This is still Paul writing to the Galatians. And he's talking about uh, what it takes for a man to live the life of a Christian. How is it that one new man can have one new life? You see, the life that Paul used to have as a Jew, he shares that in Revelation, by the way, chapter 7, uh, where it says uh, that the things that he used to do, he don't do the things that he wanted to do, he couldn't do. Um, I thank God that through Christ Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. So the things I wanted to do, I don't do. The things I didn't want to do, those are the things I did when I would do good. Evil is present with me. Paul is talking about himself as a Jew under the law. That he couldn't accomplish the things that God had purposed for his life. The new life. One new life in Christ. Not Jew, not Gentile, but now of the body of Christ, the church. And you look in verse 16 of Galatians 2, it says this, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now he's telling them that these Jews that are still living by the works of the law, they are still in the flesh. And that they cannot be the people that God had called them to be without them submitting and surrendering their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But if we seek, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found to be sinners. Therefore, is Christ therefore the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroy. Now remember what he's talking about. He's talking about the difference between Jew and Christian. And he's saying that if I as a Jew go about to rebuild or reestablish the things which I destroyed... When I became a Christian and I go back to the law, then I make myself a transgressor. Verse 19 says, For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. 
For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. In other words, what has taken place in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law. The Bible says that Christ told the Jews that I have not come to do away with the law, but that in my flesh, in my body, in my life, death, burial, and resurrection, I have come to fulfill the law. That I'm going to keep every law that it takes for a man to go to heaven. And by the way, it takes every law. You cannot break one law and go to heaven. But if you are striving to live a life of holiness and righteousness according to the law, to get yourself to heaven, then you have got to be sinlessly perfect at doing it. And Paul is saying this to the Gentiles, do not go back to the law in order to gain your righteousness. For the Jews who went about to establish their own righteousness missed the righteousness that was in Christ Jesus. You have a new life to live now as a Christian. Of course, the Jews had a new life to live as Christians. They could not live according to the law of righteousness to establish their own righteousness. But the Ephesians and the Gentiles, the Galatians, also had a new life to live uh, to turn away from heathenism and not to turn to the law to establish their own righteousness, but to turn to Christ. And to realize that they have been set free both from the bondage of sin as a heathen and also from the bondage and yoke of the law. What does it say in, just going to flip to chapter 3. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How did you get saved is what Paul is asking them. Did you get saved by keeping the law, keeping the commandments that the Jews themselves could not have kept? But they kept pressing that on the Gentiles saying that, no, well, you know, you've got to have grace and believe in Jesus. But you've also got to keep the law. Did you receive the Spirit by the hearing of the law, by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit or being made perfect by faith? Are you now kept perfect by the keeping of the law? You see, they believed that if they didn't keep the law, they would lose their salvation. And Paul is saying, listen, if you were saved by grace, you're not kept saved by works. If you're saved by grace, you are kept saved by grace through faith. In the finished work of Jesus Christ. But now that God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, has set you free both from the bondage of sin and the bondage of the law, you are a new man. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I thank God that there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, not trying to establish their own law and make themselves a way, the Babylonian way, you know, to build your own uh, stairway to heaven built upon the backs of your good works and labor of building the stairway of whatever that brick may be made out of, the keeping of the law or your good 
efforts as just being a good person. There's a lot of people who believe that they go to heaven, not by grace through faith, but by grace plus works, by faith plus works. My friend, I'm telling you that we have been set free and there is a new life to live. Of course, Paul wasn't living the life that he used to live when he was breathing. You remember, he was breathing out threatenings against the church and against the Christian. He was going about to slay them and incarcerate them, put them in prison back in Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. He has a just a brief spiritual autobiography, if you will, of who he was and the new life that he was now living. And that's what we're going to be looking at here. I want to look at the things that it takes for us, the new man, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, to live the life that God has called us to live. We'll back up and look at these uh, verse at a time. First of all, it, it is a life that is justified, as I have already said, without the deeds of the law. You look at verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. By the works of the law. Now certainly, the Bible says that we are to live a holy life. To live a sanctified life. To live a separate life. God has given us the law. I've not come to do away with the law, but that the law might be fulfilled in me. And that now that the law is fulfilled by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we keep the commandments, we keep the law, but not in order to be saved. We keep it because we're saved. We keep the law of God because we love the Lord for going to the cross, living the 33 years sinless perfect life for us, then going to the cross, shedding His blood and dying in our stead. The wage of sin is death. Christ died for me after being sinlessly perfect for me. So it is a life that is justified. You know the word justified. Justified never sin, but it's better than that. It's even though I have sinned, in spite of my sin, I am still made righteous, declared righteous in the eyes of God based upon what Christ has done for me. A life that is justified without the deeds of the law. Is that right? Well, that's true. But without the deeds of law on my behalf. But the deeds of the law were perfectly fulfilled in the life of Christ Himself. By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. If, uh, if we've offended in any point, if we have committed one minor sin in our lives, then we have broken the laws and the commandments of God and are worthy of death. The law cannot forgive sin. And by the law is the knowledge of sin, is what it says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. So to be justified in God's sight is to be free, not from sin, I sin every day. But I am free of the guilt of sin. Not that I don't feel guilty when I sin. I do. And we should all feel guilty when we transgress the law of God. But I am free of the judicial guilt before a holy and righteous judge. That when I stand before God, He'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Enter thou into thy rest. And I'll put you over a few more things. To be justified in God's sight is simply to be justified from the guilt of sin and therefore free from the punishment 
the wage of sin. I thank God that I've been set free. Uh, not, not from sin itself, but from the power of sin and from the pleasure of sin. I, now that the Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of me, I, I think that some sin would be pleasurable and sometimes I dabble in it and then I find out that it's like ashes in my mouth. And I hate it. I hate what I used to love. God has delivered me by the power of the Holy Spirit from the pleasure of sin. But thank God He's also delivered me from the punishment of sin. One day He's going to deliver me from the very presence of sin in my life. It is the imputation of righteousness. The righteousness without the righteous works or self-righteous works of the law. But Deliverance from sin by the works of righteousness of Christ in His sinless life imputed based upon what? Well, that, that, that life uh, is imparted through the faith of Christ. Look at verse 16 again and it says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Well, actually I am. Actually I am justified by the works of the law, but not by my works of the law. But you look at what it says. But by the faith of Jesus Christ, who was perfectly righteous according to the law of God. So God does judge me based upon the works of the law, but not my works. Upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. We have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. Look at that verse again, 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith and the faithfulness of Christ. Not by works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. I am a new creature. I am one new man created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that I should walk in the law, that I should walk in a life of good works according to the law. But my righteousness is declared based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. The Bible says that our law is but the schoolmaster that brings us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. You look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24, and it says this, uh, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Abraham believed God, the Bible says, and it was counted unto him for righteousness in Romans chapter 4 and verse 3. That was the divine law of grace. Grace, grace, marvelous grace. The grace that is greater than all my sin. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Boy, isn't that good? Therefore, being justified by faith. Faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Faith in the sinlessly perfect life that Christ lived and then went to the cross and shed His blood and died. We have peace 
with God. Well, it's a life that is justified without the deeds of the law. It's a life imparted through faith in Jesus Christ. But it is a life that is lived unto God. You look back at verse 19, skip down a couple of verses, and it says, For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. Who is it that you're living unto? What is it that you live for? My friend, let me, let me ask you something. Do you have anything in this world that is really worth dying for? If you don't, then what is it that you're actually living for? See, I believe that the only thing in this world that is worth dying for is the glory and honor of God. Would I, would I lay, some men, the Bible says, would lay down their lives for a righteous man. But the Bible says that Christ uh, yet when we were in our sins, died for us. I would, you can imagine people, we have men and women in the service that go overseas, lay down their lives for their country, for their fellow men. I'd lay down my life for my wife, for my children, for my grandchildren. But my friend, the Bible says that Christ died for us and that while we were yet sinners, we were, we were sinners, haters of God. What else is there really to live our life for other than for the glory of God being now delivered from the terrors of the law? That it has no more got us bound and under its control, the ensnaring power of sin. Boy, I remember when I was a puppet on a string, uh, when sin was my taskmaster and I danced to the, to the tune. Whatever it was that it, it demanded of my life. You see, the body demands to the mind what it is that it wants the mind to go about accomplishing for the lust of the flesh. But now that the Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of us, the body still tells the mind what it wants. But the Holy Spirit says, oh no, you're bought and paid for with a price more precious than silver and gold. You, you can't dance to your own two. You can't live your own life according to the flesh. You can't play the harlot to God and become the mistress of sin, the adulterer, the adulteress to the, to the cause of Christ. It is a life that is lived to God. We have been saved out of the self-life and into the happy freedom wherewith Christ, the Bible says, hath made us free. Free from the yoke and the bondage of sin. In cross, in the cross of Christ. We understand. You, you look at verse 20. It says, For I am crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. You see, we, we put to death the old man. That's what the cross is. For I'm crucified. What is the cross other than just an instrument of death? It's the instrument of death that Christ went through and shed His blood and died for our sin. It is also, for I am crucified with Christ. It's where I nail myself. Paul said, I die daily. You see, are we going to live the life unto God or are we going to live the life unto sin and pleasure and the flesh and the things of, of the world? Oh no! See, I'm bought and paid for with a price more precious than silver and gold. I don't own myself anymore. I am my master's slave. 
And I'm crucified. I die daily. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. A life that is crucified. That Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. In the cross of Christ, He sees the whole body of His sin nature nailed to a tree. And in this, you see, that is where God gained the glory. He went to the cross and willingly allowed man. He could have, what's the Bible say, called 10,000 angels down to His rescue. He could have delivered Himself from that cross. But He went to the cross willingly that we might be set free from the bondage and the yoke, the tyranny of sin in our own lives, in our own hearts. And, and Christ went to the cross willing. Shouldn't we go to the cross willingly? For I'm crucified with Christ. I die daily. I crucify the flesh every morning when I wake up in a prayer to God and confess to Him my sin and repent even of the sins that are going to be committed today. God, help me, keep me, save me, strengthen me, turn me away, lead, guide, direct my path. Lord, that I might live a life that brings glory and honor to You. It is a life that is justified without the deeds of the law imparted through faith in Christ. But it is a life that is lived and we have to live the life. You see, it's not just a life that is on, on autopilot. It's not the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of me that causes me or may. He empowers me. But I have to live the life. I've got to put forth the effort that it takes to be faithful to the Word of God. To the doctrines, the commandments. They're not requests. They are the law of God. I'm not justified by the law. But my friend, I want to keep the law because keeping the law is pleasing to God. It's a life that is lived unto God. You look at verse 20 and it's a life that is crucified. And then in verse 20 it also says that it is a life indwelt by Christ. Verse 20 says this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Oh, but mm -mm, it's, it's not me. It's not me. I've got to live the life. Oh, but it's not me that really lives it. It's Christ that liveth in me. Not I, but Christ. He has now become, as it were, a new personality. That, that the old has faded away. The old has been crucified. We, we talked about that in Sunday school this morning. Taking off the old and putting on the new. The old man. The dead man. The, the, the man that has has contaminated his life with sin. That is death. That is separation from God by the power of the Holy Spirit. I have been made in newness of life, in the likeness of God. We were created in the image of God. But when sin came in, light went out, light, light went off, and we were dead. We were separated from God. But now I have a new life. A life to live for the glory and honor of God. And it is a crucified life, but it is a life that I can only live by the power of Christ that lives 
on the inside of me. It's not I, but Christ that liveth in me. It is a new will, a new purpose, a new power now ruling and reigning on the inside of this body where Christ dwells is always the center of attention, the center of attraction. Does the Holy Spirit, does the Spirit of Christ actually dwell, live on the inside of us? What is it that we love in the world that we love more than the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ living on the inside of us? What is it that we are subservient to? That we'll bend the knee and bow the head and surrender our hearts and lives to after we've come to the knowledge and the understanding of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ for us. How dare we? Turn back and go back to the old life. It is a crucified life and a life that is lived by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. This comes by faith. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 talks about that. Christ indwelling is manifested by the Holy Spirit's presence and power. John 4.13 says this, Herein know we that we dwell in Him and He in us. How? Because He has given us of His Spirit. It is the Spirit of God living on the inside of us that brings us to the revelation, the understanding, to the realization that we are His. That we are His. That I can no longer be my own. That I am bought and paid for with a price. And for me to go out and live the life that I used to live is really an impossibility. I... I cannot, oh, I stumble and falter and fail and sin. Certainly I do. But to go back to the lifestyle that I used to live, that is a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual impossibility for me to go back to being who I used to be and to stand behind this pulpit and then to go out the back doors of the church out into the streets and to live the life that I used to live and then to come back into this church and to stand behind the pulpit and say, Thus saith the Lord, I believe, and pray that God would strike me dead before I do that. I hate the thought of that more than I hate anything else in this world. The thought of being hypocritical. The thought of being a hypocrite. The thought of losing the power of God in my life is the most horrifying thought that I can possibly imagine. That I'm separated from the God that I have loved for the past 33 years because of sin. It is a life that is indwelt by the power and lived by the power of Christ. Lastly, I want you to look again at verse 20. And it's a life that is continued by faith in the Son of God. It says this, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. You see, this life was begun by Christ. Remember? O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you? This only would I learn of you, received you the Spirit by the hearing of faith or by the works of the law. If you were, if you were saved, if you began this, this Christian journey by grace through faith, 
then certainly you realize that the life that I now live, even 33 years later, after Christ illuminated, regenerated, woke me up, drew me to Himself, saved my soul, indwelt me by the power of the Holy Spirit, 33 years ago, that is what God did for me and in me. But now, through me, God is still living the life that He has called me to live. The life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith and the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. By grace we are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. And all along the way, we are kept saved by the same grace through faith. Our life is in the Son of God. We are either in Christ or we are in Adam. And if we are in Christ, we are kept The Bible says that who can pluck any man out of my hand? If I am in the Father's hand and you are in my hand, no man can pluck you out of my hand. We live by faith, not by sight. Continue to live that life of faith, not by sight. Don't be moved away from the doctrine of grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift, a gift of gift. Everything that we are, everything that we have, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus only because of the love and the mercy and the grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. I'll close with this verse. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, He is a new creature, a new man. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Christ Jesus, and hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. My friend, if you have been reconciled, If you have been born again, regenerated, given the new birth, it is an act of God by grace through faith. And now because the Holy Spirit of God in power lives on the inside of us, we have been given a ministry. The ministry of reconciliation. How can I reconcile others to God? I can't. You can't. None of us can. But God has given us the ministry of reconciliation in that we have the testimony of of the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of us. We have the testimony of God by grace through faith changing our life. And we can share what it is that God has done in us. My friend, you use words if necessary. Well, I know that it is. God hath chosen by the foolishness of preaching that some might be saved. And preaching takes, takes words by the preaching of the Gospel. Well, my friend, we can live the Gospel. We must live the gospel to validate the spoken word. We can tell people anything we want to tell them. The love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the death of Christ on the cross and the resurrection of God's Son. We can share it all verbally, but if we're not living it, who's going to receive it? Who's going to believe it? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your love, for your mercy. Thank you, God, for the new man that you've created in me. It's the church, the body of Christ, living your life, you living your life in us, through us, in front of a lost and dying world. 
God, that they might see the light of Christ and be drawn to you is our heart's desire. Forgive us for our sins. Strengthen us where we're weak. Help us, God, to be your people inside and out. And we'll give you the glory for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to ask you to take a hymn book and stand and turn to page 347 347 as we sing.